Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Greg, for that exciting introduction. And uh, uh, thank you, Woodland Hills, for allowing me to come and share with you in this wonderful worship service uh, to Pastor Chuck Fenrick and, and all of the dear souls who are serving uh, in visible ways and in unseen ways. Thank you so much. Family appreciates your hospitality and your kindness toward us. You are a remarkable congregation. God is truly doing a wondrous work through this ministry. I appreciate the innovation and the uh, expressed creativity that's reflected in everything that I see about this place. And when I listen to the vision that's on the senior pastor's heart, it's exciting to, to see what God is doing and, and to know what he's about to do. Uh, through this congregation. So we bless you in Jesus' name. So happy to be with you this morning. And Pastor Greg, thank you for extending this liberal opportunity to preach the word of God in this house. I just want to take a moment and uh, introduce my wife again. Some of you may not have met her last week. Mary Coleman, would you stand? Would you receive her? And we have two very, very special other uh, guests with us right here on the front row. And my daughter, Mary. And my, one of my daughters in Christ. Praise the Lord. Deborah Stiles. What a joy it is to be in the presence of the Lord. What a joy it is to be a part of the body of Christ. This is the greatest thing in the world today, the church of God. The body of Christ is like nothing else in the world. And to be a living part of the living body of Christ is a gift that we can never pay for. We don't deserve it. We can't figure it out, but God is doing it. I see some other daughters over here. Praise God. God bless you. I see you. I'm looking around, and a son over there, too. Praise God. They're not my biological children. Don't get me wrong now. <laughs> but I see you. <laughs> what a wonderful thing it is to be a part of what God is doing in the world today. And in, a, in a world that's, to, that's tossed with toil, uh, strife, uh, turmoil, confusion, where there are wars and rumors of war, Everywhere. I mean, even on the North American continent. In every continent of the world, I think, there is strife. And in the islands of the sea, there's strife and there's confusion. Blood is shed. Lives are lost. Why? And God sits in heaven and looks over its banister upon the world that he created, and he drops tears of grief for us and wonders how long will it be Till the church discovers the power that is inherent in its faith. Because our faith is not in ourselves, but in God. The God of heaven is over the church. Let the church of God say amen. amen. And he looks upon us and he wonders when will we be able to rise and emulate his power. And his glory in the earth. When will we rise and understand who we are. And act as if we know whose we are. 
and prove to the world that there's power in God's love. That his love is the greatest force in the universe. There is no force more powerful, no reality more uh, powerful, no truth greater, no law higher than love. Now, we know that, but we must prove that. And God today desires to drop something in our lives that will enable us to go into a world that says kill them, destroy them, marginalize them, have nothing to do with them, capitalize on their weaknesses for your own benefit, to go into that world and to say, no, the way is the way of God. Shown in his word, lived out by his son, Jesus Christ. We are pursuing greater insight into the love of God. Last week, the Lord had us to begin this two-part message on knowing and relying on the love God has for us, taken from first. John chapter 4 and uh, verses 16 to 18 would be the passage there that we started with. And last week uh, we saw in that word that God says through the apostle John to the church, and I think that word is relevant for us today, that God desires that we acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God. And we discuss that acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God is more than lip service. It's not enough to just profess with your lips. We have to be able to acknowledge it in demonstrable ways. We have to demonstrate that we know Jesus is the Son of God. Hallelujah. That brings us to a place, according to the text in, in, uh, of last week in 1 John 4, To know and rely on the love God has for us. When we acknowledge the truth of Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, when we digest that, when we believe that, when we take that into our innermost selves to the point that it infuses every part of our being, every conversation we have, every thought we conceive, then we have indeed acknowledged that Jesus is the Son of God, and it's proven not by what we say, but what we do, Amen. and how we live and breathe. Hallelujah. The impact we have, because we are light in dark places. The impact we have, because we are salt to preserve a world worn thin by sin, iniquity. And tribulation. But it's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. That demonstrates the love of God. And you know what church? There is nothing else God has given to this world. Other than the church. That breathes and lives his love. Hallelujah. 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 And so we looked last week at Jesus as the Lamb of God. We acknowledge that he is the sacrifice. 
required for sin. That we would be at one with God. He is our guilt offering. The guilt offering provides cleansing from even from sins that we are not aware of. That we did not intend to do, but we are guilty of sin. And Jesus is our atonement. We praise his holy name. And we thank the Father that he sent the Lamb. But not only is he a lamb, but he is also a shepherd. We talked about the paradox that he is at once a lamb. And he is seen as the lamb even from uh, Genesis to Revelation, literally. From Abraham and Isaac's experience to the picture of the lamb of God standing upon the throne. Surrounded by the twenty and four elders who praise his name, who hand him the book because none other is able to open the book but the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. But not only is he that lamb, he is also a shepherd of lambs and sheep and goats who are going to get converted. Hallelujah. How many know there's some goats in the flock too? And he said, just let them stay in there. I'm going to take care of them. Matthew 25. I'm going to take care of the goats and the sheep. That's okay. Hallelujah. Don't worry about the goats because the Lord can deal with them just like he dealt with us when we were goats. All the goats say, all the used to be goats say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) And, And so today we can acknowledge That Jesus is the Son of God in the person of the Good Shepherd and uh, I do have notes. Praise God. I don't know why. (laughs) Spent all this time on notes and stuff, and then the Lord takes me somewhere else. He takes me to Ezekiel chapter thirty-four, and there we see the heart of God expressed. The pain of heart expressed toward his people Israel. His anger and frustration unleashed against the kings of Israel. Who are called shepherds in that context. Ezekiel chapter 34. These are the kings of the kings. The kings who have followed in the lineage of David. The Lord promised Israel that there would always be a king. After, they, after he gave them a king. Hallelujah. Thank God. But when in power, the kings sought to please themselves. They looked for number one. That's me, myself, and I. And what can I get even at the expense of the people I serve? What a horrible thing. And so the Lord looks upon his nation and he says, woe to the shepherds of Israel. Who are fat at the expense of the lambs, of the sheep, of the sheep, of the sheep, of the sheep, of the sheep. You know. And he says, I'm going to remove you from shepherding. And I am going to establish a new shepherd. In fact, I'm going to be the shepherd. That's what God said. I'm going to be the shepherd. He said, I'm going to be their shepherd. And I will restore The kingdom through the lineage of David. Pray with me. 
And the years roll, and there's a period of prophetic silence over the world. When God shuts the book, but opens it again in the womb of Elizabeth. She and her husband, Zechariah, are used by God to conceive a child named John, who becomes a preacher, a prophetic preacher. And the book is opened again. And he says, prepare the way of the Lord. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Jesus appears, and the Father in heaven thunders from above in a voice that John discerned as the voice of God. And others didn't quite understand what was going on. Hallelujah. But the record says that it was heard, this is my well-beloved Son, in whom I am pleased. Stay with me this morning. And he goes on a 40-day journey after that experience, Jesus does, and he is tempted by the devil. And he leaves that place and he goes on his shepherding mission. He heals the sick and they follow him. At least some of them do. He gives sight to the blind and they follow him. He heals a woman with some issue of blood, cancer, leukemia. And she follows him. He drives out demons from a woman who had been ostracized from the community named Mary of Magdala. And she becomes a disciple. And he gathers these people there in the middle of the gospel of St. John. And here they are as Jesus has his future before him. A future where Calvary is a reality. A future where he will indeed consummate the guilt offering and the sin offering required by God. But before that, he takes time with his disciples as a shepherd. And he draws the distinction between himself and those shepherds of Israel God lamented about in Ezekiel chapter 34. And he says, all of those who came before me were thieves and robbers. Because they did not love the sheep. They did it for what they could get. Not for serving my father. But Jesus then boldly says, I am the good shepherd. Hallelujah. In John chapter 10 and verse 14. And I know my sheep... <laughs> and my sheep 
know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me. Let that soak in. Here's Jesus speaking. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Again, this command I received from my father. That portion of the 17th verse, wherein Jesus says, The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my, my life. Oh, God. Can you see a picture? The pain of God's heart in Ezekiel, that he speaks through the prophet Ezekiel, for the shepherds who do not love the sheep, who are disobedient to what God had called them to? Can you see a picture here? That now comes Jesus. And he says, I am the good shepherd. Hallelujah! Look at how he takes responsibility. He knows what it means to be the good shepherd. He knows the responsibility entailed. He knows what will be before him as he guides people in paths of righteousness for the sake of the Lord. As he causes them to lie down beside still waters. As he helps them to restore their strength. Oh, glory to God. Even through valleys of the shadow of death that are before, that are before, that are before. But even knowing what is before him and the cost he must pay to be the good shepherd. He boldly stands there and says, I will not shirk. I am. No one else can be. We need today to acknowledge that Jesus is a shepherd. We need to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I possess him and he possesses me. I'm his and he's mine. I love him. But he loves me more. Yet we're in this relationship where he condescends to me in love. He comes to me in my weakness and is my strength. When I fail, he encourages me. When I fall, he picks me up that I'm not utterly cast down. I'm in this peculiar relationship 
with a good shepherd. I did not deserve a shepherd like this. But God has provided for me abundantly and lavishly. And I can never pay God for this gift of his son, the good shepherd in my life. I love Jesus this morning. Don't you love him? Jesus did not shirk the responsibility to be himself. Today, we live in a world that seeks to draw you out of your identity, to draw you out of yourself, to draw the church away from its truth and purpose, to draw our nation of liberty and freedom and power away from its heritage, to draw us away from the simplicity of the gospel into fables, to draw us away from the truth that God is at work in Christ reconciling the world unto himself because ultimately it does not matter how many buildings, how many cities we build, does not matter how much wealth we Forgive me for yelling. It does not matter how much wealth we acquire in this world if we are not doing it for the sake of God and His kingdom. If we are not living out faithfully our purposes, it means absolutely nothing. Because in the end, our money will fail. Our temples will fall. Our nations will be dissolved into a new nation. A kingdom over which Jesus is Lord of lords and King of kings. Hallelujah. So it does not matter what we do for ourselves if we have not done it for the right reason. The reason the Father loves Jesus goes far beyond a biological connection or even spiritual connection. This transcendent truth is amazing. It's difficult for us to understand who can know the mind of God. But Jesus himself, Jesus, 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 Jesus in this text this morning says, To his disciples, he says to Mary Magdalene, he says to the others who might have been in that room, he says, you know why God loves me? You know why the Father loves me? It's not because I'm Israelite. Not because I'm a man. Not because I can see. He doesn't love me because I heal the sick. He doesn't love me because I cast out devils. It's not why he loves me. Get a church. He doesn't love me because I can walk on water and speak peace to a raging storm. He doesn't love me because I'm a black man or a white, you're a white woman or because you are a priest or a preacher or a pope or whatever. He <laughs> said, you know why the Father loves me? Why do you think Jesus said this? Why did Jesus make this statement? You know why he loves me? 
Because I lay down my life. He loves me because I lay down my life. Now what is it that is so valuable to the Father? That he ascribes this extra love to Jesus, his son. What is it about Jesus laying down his life that means so much to the father that he says to his son, Jesus, Jesus, you know why I love you? Because you laid down your life. And Jesus probably talked to God, oh, Father, I thought you loved me because I'm your son. Well, I do love you because you're my son. But you know why I really love you. You know why I'm really pleased with you. You remember when, when I appeared out there when you came to John, your cousin, the Baptist, and you were baptized, and I, and I spoke out of that cloud, and I said, this is my well-beloved son in whom I'm pleased. You know why I said, in whom I'm pleased? Because I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to lay your life down. Hallelujah. Now, there's something about the purpose for which Jesus laid his life down that is infinitely important. And if we get nothing else this morning, if we can get this. And the two things. I believe. The first is obedience to God. God loves obedience. That's hard for us to understand. Because we don't like obedience in the flesh. We like folk to obey us, but we don't like to obey folk. Do I have a witness here this morning? You say amen. It's part of the human condition. It's about what the devil was about. Isn't that right? God loves obedience. Now that's God's business. He said, I'm a jealous God. You ain't going to have no other gods before me. No, 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 no. You can try, but you're going to find out I am God. This is a reality. We have nothing to do with it. We can't change it. We have to acknowledge it and accept it by faith. That God desires obedience. We got to get that. It's not about what we know, who we know, what hookups we can do. It's about obeying God. The second thing is not only obeying, but I believe it is an actually doing. I mean, obeying is a spiritual thing. It's a mindset. It's a heart condition. It's making up your mind that I'm going to be a child of God. I'm going to receive Jesus into my heart. I'm going to believe that there is no God but God. I'm going to believe that God has a way for me and I'll find it in his word. And I'm going to believe that I've got to pray. I'm going to obey what the word of God tells me to do. I'm going to live in conformity to the image of Jesus Christ to the best of my ability. Now, that's a decision we make consciously. But then we've got to live it out. And here is where the good shepherd comes. Because we cannot know the way without the shepherd. We cannot find the way without the shepherd. The good shepherd guides us. He keeps us out of the thicket. He keeps us from falling off the cliffs. He keeps us from going headlong into something that we should have no business involved in. Thank God for a good shepherd. We need to go there. That's the application for us. To obey, but then to go there. 
And the Father loved Jesus. How many of you know this is about Jesus this morning? It really is not about us. It's about Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Spirit wants Jesus to be glorified. The Spirit wants, the Holy Ghost wants Jesus to be glorified. He wants Jesus to be glorified because Jesus deserves the glory. Hallelujah. Because he laid down his life. Then comes the test of Gethsemane. And he says in the garden of Gethsemane before going on into the hands of the centurions and being led into Pontius Pilate's court and being led into prison and being led from prison up the road to Calvary. (laughs) But Gethsemane was there in his future. And he prayed and he said, Father, let this come. Please, Father, 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 I didn't know that this is what it meant when you told me to lay my life down. And I said I was going to lay my life down. But God, I didn't know it was going to mean this. I'm feeling something in this garden that I've never felt before. I don't like this cup that you're asking me to drink. Lord, please let this thing pass. Cannot we find another way? God said, you keep on praying. And he prayed and he prayed and great drops of blood fell from his face as he's caught in the angst of the moment and realizing that he has come to a place, a narrow place, and he cannot find an escape. There is no escaping the will of God. But that's a good thing. That thorns along the way on the below us Above us and beside us. <laughs> but we don't fear the thorns. Hallelujah. Because we know that at the end of the path is the reward. Amen. Amen. Jesus sees this path strewn and laced and lined, crowned with thorns. And he says, Lord, please let this pass. But because of his commitment, To obedience. He says, not my will, but your will. How many of us this morning are facing issues in our lives, in our families? Thorny issues. And we would turn around and go back. There are thorns ahead of us. And we would go back, but we know God says go forward. Anybody here this morning, you're facing something on your job, you're facing something in the school, in your classroom, maybe in your marriage, or in your relationship with your children, or in your relationship with your parents, or your siblings. Trials come in our lives. But God loves us when we face a future obediently. When we make up our minds to go through Hallelujah. There's a reason God wants us to go through. There's a reason for the thorns. It does not appear to us. The reason does not occur at the moment. Look back at the text this morning. Jesus says in the 10th chapter, I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life. But later he comes to the garden and he says, I don't know if I want to be the good shepherd. But in his talk with the Father, something drops from 
his spirit. He sees our faces in Woodland Hills Church on a March morning in 2002. Then he sees a picture of an empty building, Pastor Gray, an empty Kmart. (laughs) And he says, I would that there would be people and not an empty building. (laughs) He looks across the world and he sees people's lives wrecked with no hope of reconciliation. But he looks again and he sees that he is the hope of the world. And he sees that if he is able to bear the, the burden, to pay the price, that the reward is incalculable and worth the investment. And so he says, Father, not my will. Your will is better than mine. But that is worked out in his prayer life. It's worked out in his individual relationship with his father. There are things that we cannot work out in community. Things we cannot work out in a committee, in the boardroom. There are things we have to work out in the garden when everybody else is asleep. Nobody's there. We feel forsaken. But thanks be to the Father above who is with us at all times. Hallelujah! Jesus didn't see that before. Get this, church. When he professes to be the good shepherd, he didn't know what that meant. All he knew is that the Spirit said to him, you're the good shepherd. You know how I know that? Because Jesus said, I only speak what the Spirit gives me to speak. I only speak what the Father gives me. I don't speak on my own. He may not understand what it is. We don't always understand what it is God is calling us into. But we have to know the voice of God. We have to hear the word of God. We have to receive it and make up our minds to obey God at any cost. We don't know what the end is. Hallelujah. But God is with us through the journey. And he goes on, the good shepherd goes on, and then he realizes, hallelujah, after he faces Calvary, and after he, after he feels that, he feels absolute despair on the cross, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You told me you would be with me, but I feel as if you are without your Away. But glory be to God. The word of the Father comes back. This is my well-beloved son. I'm pleased with him. And he got up from the grave. Hallelujah. He got up from the grave. The devil couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. Darkness could not hold him. Silence could not hold him. Tribulation could not hold him. Sin of the world could not hold him. Sickness and disease of the world could not hold him. Wars and rumors of wars could not hold him. He got up. He got up. He got up because he had laid his life before the Father. 
And he was able to lift it up again. Because he laid it in the hands of the Father. And he cried from the cross, into your hands, I give my spirit. I deposit my life with you. Oh, church, if we had 10,000 years, we could not preach the glories of God in Christ. But I trust this morning that the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. And that his word will live in your life so that as he calls you to lay down your life, to take up your cross, to go on your job and to say to the one who offended you, you know what? I love you. And I want you to know I have nothing against you. That's laying your life down. And when you're tested, lay your life down. That's a hard word because we cannot see. Jesus could not see every step of the journey, but it was a matter of faith. And the world today will be blessed because of our faith. Not because of what we can do in our own strength and power, but because of what God will do through us. I'm excited about that, Woodland Hills. I'm excited about that church of the living God. That God is at work in his people who will lay their lives before him and say, Father, not my will, but let your will be done. I know your love now because I see it in Jesus Christ. I see a lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. And I love you, Father. I see a good shepherd whom you have raised up. And I love you for that, Father. Glory to your holy name. And I'm willing to give you myself today. I'm not a lamb. I'm not a good shepherd. But, Lord, take me and use me. Whatever I can do for you, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Can you say that this morning? Can you say that this morning? Lord, I give you my life. I know you have questions. I don't understand. That's okay. I know you have questions. I I don't quite get it. That's okay. (laughs) I don't think even Jesus got it all at that time. Because he models for us what it is to walk by faith. It's a, it's a faith thing. But at the end of the day, the great one who is love, the Father of glory, vindicates each of us who lay our lives before him. And he crowns us with everlasting life. We walk streets of gold. <laughs> we live forever. And that's a good thing. We have glorified bodies that never decay. That's a good thing. Hallelujah. Yeah, the price is worth the cross. Stand with me right now. Father, we thank you for your holy word who is alive in your church. We believe, Lord, through the preaching, people are saved. So if there be any in this room, Lord, who have not yet come to receive Jesus as Savior, 
We ask you to reach them now, Lord, to stir them. In Jesus' name. If there any discouraged, O oh God, we believe there's power in your word to lift up bowed down heads. If there be any sick among us, Lord, we know that there's healing in your word. It's, a, it's in your word, Lord. It's in your word. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. The church of God said amen. amen. Hallelujah. Let, let us give God praise right now for his son Jesus. Let us give him praise. Let us give Jesus praise for his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Woodland Hills Outreach Pastor, Pastor Chuck Fenwick and the team are waiting to receive those of you who want to unite with this congregation or who desire more information at the rear of the, of the uh, worship center. We ask that you would see them on your way out. If you desire prayer this morning, the prayer team is right here. Pastor, is this okay for me to do this? Okay. <laughs> Forgive me. Praise God. Is this okay, Pastor? Okay. The worship, I mean, the prayer team is here, and they want to join you, join their prayers with yours. God bless you. Touch somebody with the love of God, and remember, the world will see Jesus when the world sees Jesus in us. God bless you.